Why fruit? Jesus made it clear to us how the world would know we were his followers. And it wasn't through our opinions or our political preferences or the amount of scripture we read each day. The way the world around us will know we are God's children is by our fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. The fruit on our tree sends a clear message to the world around us. You don't go to an apple tree to get oranges. You go to an apple tree expecting apples. A tree produces fruit after its own kind. To say it another way, you reproduce who you are. I wonder if this is the struggle people who don't follow Jesus have with those who do. They meet us expecting the fruit of Jesus on the tree of our life, and when it's not, that's where the breakdown happens. When there's a disconnect between who we say we are and the fruit that's produced on the tree of our life, a chasm is created. And it's this chasm that creates confusion and distance between the world God loves and the life we lead as His children. Think about it like this. If a person hears that God is patient and kind, but they meet one of His representatives and are met with impatience and rudeness, what does that communicate? Either God isn't who I thought He was, or that faith must not be real because it doesn't seem to affect any part of their life. In either case, we do the world around us a disservice whenever the fruit of God's Spirit isn't being produced on the tree of our life. This is why Jesus speaks about fruit and repeatedly invites us to abide in Him so that the fruit of His Spirit will be produced in our life. Because when the fruit of His Spirit is produced in our life, people get a clearer picture of who God is, what God is like, and how God interacts with the world. The Fruit of the Spirit But I have a question. What is the fruit Jesus is speaking about in John 15? If God desires for us to live a fruitful life and fruit carries seeds within it to be planted in someone else's life, then it would help to know what that fruit is. We need to know what the fruit is so that we can know when it is being produced on the tree of our lives. So, what is the fruit? And please know what I'm about to say is just one interpretation. There's plenty of other interpretations of John 15. This is just my own. I believe the fruit Jesus talks about in John 15 is further explained by Paul to the followers of Jesus in Galatia. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul's message is clear. The fruit speaks for itself. The fruit of the flesh is obvious, but so is the fruit of the Spirit. And it's the fruit on the tree of our lives that reveals who we are and, honestly, who God is to the world around us. This is why fruit is so important. The fruit on the branch reveals what type of tree it is. Apples on a branch reveal it's an apple tree. Idolatry on a branch reveals an idolatrous tree rooted in the flesh. 
peace on a tree reveals a peaceful tree rooted in the Spirit. Fruit is the great revealer. And the fruit God desires to be produced in our lives is the fruit of His Spirit, which Paul discusses in Galatians 5. To clarify, here's the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These nine are the fruit, singular, of God's Spirit. Each of these nine are the outward evidence of God's indwelling transformational presence in our lives. And this outward evidence is visible to the world around us. Don Stewart, in his commentary on the fruit of the Spirit, states, The Bible calls Spirit-led behavior the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit has visible results. A Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life of abiding in Jesus has visible results. And these results are what Paul refers to as fruit in Galatians 5. Paul is telling us that a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life has visible results. And these visible results reveal who we are to those around us. In the same way apples are the visible results of an apple tree, the fruit of the Spirit are visible results of a Spirit-filled life. I want to be clear, a person led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit has visible results of the Spirit produced in their life. Fruit is not an option for a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life of abiding in Jesus. Fruit is a byproduct of a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled life of abiding in Jesus. And this fruit, the visible results of a life filled with God's Spirit, reveals who God is to a world desperately longing to see Him and know Him. This is why fruit is so important in our lives as followers of Jesus. When you see apples on a branch, you know you're looking at an apple tree. When you see true love, joy, and peace on the tree of a person's life, you know you're looking at someone filled with and led by the Spirit. It's the fruit in our lives that builds a bridge between who we say we are and who we really are. And it's this bridge that empowers us to love our neighbor and serve the people around us, just like Jesus did. The Power of the Seed Robert Schuller once said, Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. Isn't that a fascinating thought? There's no way to know how many apples will come from one seed. But I did some research and found out the average apple tree produces about 300 apples in a growing season. Let's say that the average apple contains five apple seeds. So all things being equal, one apple tree will produce about 1,500 seeds per season. Those 1,500 seeds will then potentially produce 450,000 apples and another 2,250,000 seeds. Those 2,250,000 seeds will then produce, well, never mind, I'm sure you're getting the picture. So one seed from one apple has now produced some 2,250,000 more seeds. And of course, each seed can produce another apple tree, with each yielding hundreds of apples with seeds in each one. Let's just say that's a lot of apples in one seed. And the amazing thing is, it's no different when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Kingdom Seeds In the beginning, God created fruit and trees with the ability to reproduce after their own kind. Each fruit carries a seed or seeds within it. And when planted, those seeds have the ability to take root and produce another tree and another harvest. 
In the same way, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit Jesus said that glorifies God in John 15, carries within it a seed. And when fruit is produced in our lives, that fruit carries seeds that have the potential to be planted in someone else's life. Another way to say it is, the seeds in the fruit of your life have the ability to produce a harvest in someone else's life. That's the beauty of living a fruitful life. The fruit God produces in you can plant a seed in another. And I think this is why God desires for our lives to be fruitful. Not so we can look at others condescendingly, not so we can feel better about ourselves. No, I think God desires fruit in our lives because His fruit carries within it the seeds of His kingdom and His righteousness and His peace and His joy. Living a fruitful life isn't just about you. It's about your family and your children and your coworkers and your neighborhood. Fruit in your life not only glorifies God, it provides seeds to be planted for a future harvest. This is why it's vital that we live fruitful lives as followers of Jesus. This is why fruit is a focus in Jesus' teaching in John 15. And the key to living a fruitful life is through our abiding in Jesus. Put a seed where you stand. One of my favorite stories in Scripture that deals with this idea of planting seeds for a future harvest comes from the book of Joshua. Joshua has just been given the task of leading the nation of Israel across the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. Moses, Israel's previous leader, has passed away, so it's a new season for Joshua as well as the nation. And in order for the nation to cross the Jordan River, God tells the priests of Israel they must stand in the river holding the Ark of the Covenant. And as long as they stand in place, the river would part, allowing the nation of Israel to go across to the other side. To make a long story short, the nation of Israel crosses the river, making their way into the Promised Land. But one of the key elements to this story comes after the nation crossed the river. God told Joshua to have 12 people take one rock each from the river where the priests were standing and carry it over to the other side. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. These rocks would be placed at their camp and remain there for generations to come. At first reading, it's a strange request. Why would rocks need to be carried over to the other side? The priests have stood in the river, holding the ark while the entire nation crossed over, and now God has the priests stand there longer as twelve people come back to get stones from the river. But, as with everything God does, this was very intentional. Joshua explains God's purpose for these rocks a few verses later when he says, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. The rocks were to be a memorial, a visible sign of God's deliverance and faithfulness for future generations. And when future generations saw the rocks, they would inevitably ask their parents and grandparents, what do these rocks mean? And that question would be the beginning of some beautiful conversations about God, His faithfulness, and His miraculous power. 
Those rocks were like seeds planted for future generations. Those rocks were seeds of faith for a generation yet to be born. Because the places where the priests stood that day when Israel crossed the Jordan River left a generational imprint of faith and trust in God. The priests might not have realized that day as they stood in the river that their feet, planted firmly on the riverbed, were planting seeds of faith for a generation they would never see. This is why God desires for us to live fruitful lives, because the fruit in our lives carries seeds within it. And those seeds carry the potential for fruit to be produced in your children's life. Those seeds carry the potential for fruit to be produced in the lives of your coworkers. And those seeds carry the potential for faith and hope and love and peace and joy to be produced in your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. This is why fruit is vital in our lives. It's not just about you. The picture is much larger than that. Fruit is generational. And as we learn to daily abide in Jesus, fruit is produced in our life and seeds are planted where we stand. And the fruit of the Spirit in your life carries seeds of the Spirit for a generation you've yet to meet. The fruit of the Spirit in your life will lead to questions about that fruit from a future generation. And it's those questions that will open up a world of conversation about who God is, what He's done already, what He's doing currently, and what He's going to do in the future. Living a fruitful life isn't just about you. It's about generations to come who will wonder, what do these rocks mean? Where do we go from here? We've looked at what it means to abide, and we've discussed why fruit is so important in our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, we need to look at our role in the process of fruit being produced in our lives. I think it's vital that we understand our role in God's kingdom and how that applies to the fruit of His Spirit being produced in our lives. Because fruit doesn't come through striving or straining. It comes through abiding and remaining.